One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live once again in College Green in Westminster. The sun is shining. It's absolutely beautiful out here. Uh, behind us in the Palace of Westminster, however, uh, it is a nest of vipers and no more so uh, than after what happened yesterday when MPs supposedly said uh, that they've taken back control. Well, taken back control of what? We all awoke this morning to the news that Theresa May was humiliated again last night when the government lost yet another vote. But that's hardly news, is it? We're also told the Parliament has seized control of Brexit. But is that news? I don't think so. After all, what exactly have they taken control of? There's nothing actually happening. There are no policies to adopt. There are no policies to reject. There is no steering wheel on the clattering train of state. And it is very clear that the entire process of us leaving the European Union is very much in the hands of the European Union. In other words, it's time for everyone to calm down, take a deep breath and turn another page in this particularly useless chapter of British political history. 0344 499 1000. Coming up in the next three hours, we will be taking the temperature down here as the sun shines on the tent of shame. But despite all the opinion makers, the MPs and the constitutional experts, we want to hear from you, of course, because most of the common sense comes actually from the common people. 0344 499 1000. Yesterday, we had some of the greatest callers ever that this show has had. We'd like to repeat that, please. We've got loads and loads to do between now and one o'clock. Let's get on with it. You're listening to me, Mike Graham. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Now, we have heard this morning from our political editor, Ross Kempsell, that Theresa May is going to have a meeting uh, with the 1922 committee. She's already having cabinet talks at the moment as well. Uh, yet another Commons defeat for the government. Alberto Costa's here with me. Alberto, yeah. welcome uh, Thank to you. the Tent of Shame. Nice to see you in such <laughs> nice weather for a change, um, and without having to wear quite so many clothes. Um, I've been saying all morning, it's all very well saying that parliamentarians have taken control of Brexit, but exactly what have they taken control of? Because it doesn't seem to be a Brexit right now. So, Parliament hasn't taken any more control than it had yesterday, the day before. Let's be absolutely clear, the person that's got complete control on this matter is the head of government, Mm. our Prime Minister. And all that Parliament voted to do yesterday was to take control of the order paper for one day. It's usually under our fluid constitution, it's the government's role to propose to Parliament. Parliament then makes the law, but it's not usually Parliament's role to propose legislation. Mm. So all that's happening, Mike, tomorrow is that Parliament has decided for one day it will propose 
not legislation, but proposed alternatives. And let me let me be clear, whatever proposal Parliament comes up with tomorrow is not binding on the Prime Minister. There's no legal bind to this. It's not legislation. So it's not statutory. That's a good question. Yeah. So why did I vote for it? You, you introduced me as rebel without a cause. Yeah. I would say, one, I'm not a rebel, and two, I have a cause. Okay. And that cause is to back the Prime Minister. Mm. I backed her in December, I backed her in January, and I backed her in March. And my message to listeners is this. I voted Remain, and it's ironic that somebody that voted Remain is actually going to deliver Brexit mm. in a smooth and orderly manner. Yeah. And I would encourage listeners who perhaps have got MPs in Leave constituencies who do not want to support the Prime Minister's deal to vote for it. Because by voting for the Prime Minister's deal, we will exit the EU respect the referendum result, and do so in a smooth and orderly manner. So, Mike, Except, that's not being a rebel, and I certainly have a cause. Well, there you go. Well, I'm very <laughs> glad you've been able to justify your existence. Thank you Thank very you. much for doing that. The point of the matter is, though, that only 14%, supposedly, of the electorate actually backed Theresa May's deal. It is by far and away the most unpopular option of all of the options that get put before Parliament. So why on earth should anybody vote for it? Well, look, different polls say different thing in, uh, things in this matter, but let's be very clear. What's on the table is a way of exiting the EU and doing so quickly. I voted for it in January. Mm. We would have been out of the EU this Friday if people had voted, if MPs had voted for that deal, we would be out this Friday. So I have honoured I have honoured my pledge to my electorate. Right. We would have been out if people had voted for it a couple of weeks ago. You had people like David Davis and others who didn't vote for it first time but have come over. And I'm delighted to tell you, Mike, mm. the action that I took last night has now encouraged this morning my colleague Jacob Rees-Mogg and James Gray and other MPs yes. to back the Prime Minister. And I say for a third time, Mike, wasn't that a good strategy to adopt? Well, it will prove to be a good strategy if it works. So far, it hasn't mm. worked. And I mean, we don't even yet know whether Theresa May will be able to represent the bill because, of course, John Burko, the Speaker, has previously said that he will not allow it to be presented unless it is substantially altered. I don't know what that means. I don't suppose he knows what that means, but it's entirely possible as well that she won't represent the bill unless she knows she's going to win it, which to me seems an entirely bizarre way to conduct a democratic vote, doesn't it? Well, I think if you look at the text of the European Council's requirements, they want a withdrawal agree agreement. They don't talk about the political declaration. So let's watch this space. Mm. Let's see what is actually brought back to Parliament by Theresa May. Yes. Because I suspect that what she brings back will be a deal that the House of Commons can vote for. And I think, Mike, I'll be able to come back on your programme and you'll be able to say to me, Alberto, you're right. You weren't a rebel and you had a great cause well, and you won. we shall see. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, here's a great opportunity for you as well. Because say, for example, everything had gone to plan and yeah. we had got an agreement and we were leaving the European yes. Union this Friday... What would that actually look like on Saturday? Because a lot of people are questioning the wisdom of leaving the European Union. And I think the government's been particularly bad at explaining yeah. what it would be like. Because we hear from all the sort of project fear types that, you know, the money's going to run yes. out, the food's going to run out, the medicine's going to run out, the trains are going to stop running, although they've already done that. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> what would it look like if we left the European Union this Friday? If we left the European Union this Friday with a deal... Yeah. We would be leaving in a smooth and orderly manner. We'd no longer be members of the EU. But for your listeners, 
for your listeners, the rights that they currently enjoy, they would continue to enjoy during the transition period as we exit the EU. And how long would that be? That, well, that would be two years. Okay. So it would bring us to the end of um, 2020. Right. And basically, that time period would allow us as British citizens lawfully uh, to go to the EU. We could work in the EU, can study. We would have those rights, but no longer be members of the EU. We would continue to have access, full access to the single market, but not be members to the EU. We would continue to be part of a customs union but not be members of the EU only during the transition period. By the end of the transition, the British government and whoever will be in government by that time will have agreed a new free trade agreement with the EU so that we have a new arrangement in about 24 months time with them. Mike, the real question is, what would happen if we came out of the EU without a deal? Yes, and, That's how, would the real that be, question. and how would that be so, any different? Well, it, sounds I'll tell you me, very, uh, well so, it sounds to me like it could be precisely and exactly the same, no, if you did no, it right. Mo- most certainly not. So uh, let me tell some of your listeners who are EU nationals, right now the rights that they enjoy, people that listen to this great programme, their rights would no longer be underpinned There's by international law. Here. You don't have to go very well, far well, to there you go. So do you want those people to lose their rights yes, on Saturday? Yes, I do. These particular <laughs> ones, yeah. No, of course I don't. No, of course, course you don't. not. So, so you should be back in the Prime Minister's deal because it's a deal with the EU that we continue getting the rights without actually being members. That's a great deal. Listen, I backed the Prime Minister's deal when yeah. it first came back because yes. I said, as you did, that actually this is the best it's going to be. This uh-huh. is the best thing you can get. And also, we're not finishing uh, and closing the door and, and, and sort of signing everything off and going, right, that's it, set in stone, frozen in time. We don't negotiate any further. It's, a con- it's an ongoing and, and positively um, you know, movable feast, is it not? Why do you get it, Mike, but some of my colleagues don't get it? Well, I think, un- unfortunately, many of those who are on the sort of hard Brexit side... Yeah would rather complain. I've seen this before, and I said this before, I think, I don't know if I said it to you. It's a bit like the SNP and Alec, when Alex Sun was in charge. He preferred not to have any powers, and he preferred to complain about not yes. having any powers than actually having them. Once he got the powers, <laughs> he right. couldn't complain about them anymore. Same with the hard Brexit crowd. Yeah. They would rather complain about not getting a hard Brexit and, and stay in the European Union yes. than leave uh, in a soft Brexit. I mean, you've hit it spot on, and that's exactly why I've supported the Prime Minister's deal, Mm. because it's a way of respecting it to to the listeners in in South Leicestershire. It's a way of respecting their vote, and it's a way of getting out of the EU. And it does it in a a smooth and smart manner. Is it not also a realisation that you cannot please all of the people all of the time? And something that Theresa May hopefully has learned over Mm. the course of time Mm -hmm. is that there isn't any point in trying to finesse everybody and to try and convince them that the pig in the poke is actually not a pig in the poke because it is for a lot of people exactly that it's not what they want Uh, it's maybe the best that they're going to get but it isn't what they want and it's taken this long for her to persuade them but she has been woefully bad at persuading she's tried to cajole she's tried to threaten She's tried to kind of um, fall on her own sword and make out that she's being, uh, you know, done o- done over by her colleagues. She's tried every single thing that she's tried has been mm. hopelessly wrong. It seems to me. Well, I- I'm pretty sure from what you're saying, Mike, and I, uh, you know, if you and I were jointly prime ministers in the United God Kingdom, it's a pity. Them. It's a pity that we weren't. But yeah. I'm sure you and I would have done things differently. I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Firstly, back in July 2016, we would have probably said, you know what, for EU nationals. We guarantee their rights. Yes. We're not going to put them in the negotiating t- table. And we would have started off the negotiation. And I think we should have immediately commenced no deal preparations mm. and run that in parallel to having proper negotiations. Yes. So that at the end of the two year period, we would have had proper no deal preparations, but ultimately we wanted a deal. And I think that would have been the most amicable, most professional way of doing things. Mm. I wasn't Prime Minister, nor were you. 
However, a back Theresa May's deal, it's the best deal on the table. And you're right, Mike, to say it's not the end of it. It's just the divorce agreement. We've yeah. yet to discuss our future arrangements. And you know what? Let's see who the next government will be, because there will be another government. Theresa said she will not fight another general election. Yes. So and let's, let, get, you know, let's come to that, because a lot of uh, speculation now uh, that what happened yesterday is likely to lead towards uh, yeah. uh, a, gen- a new general election. I'm not sure what the timing of that would be. I don't know whether anybody's been talking about that within the Tory party, within the government. And also, secondly, presumably, not only is she not going to be leading you into the next general election, she may not be the Prime Minister very much beyond an agreement on the deal. So my support for the Prime Minister is, as with any leader of my party, it's lo- I'm very loyal to them. Um, I think we know we have a party system. There's a lot of people that say that, of course. No, there's a lot of people that say that, but I'm here sitting, mm. backing up why I vote certain ways. And you think very carefully when you go through the lobbies. I absolutely believe in respecting the result, but doing it in a smart way. Now, that's why I'm backing Teresa. Has she made mistakes? Yes. I've just given an example. If you and I had done things, we would have done things differently. Mm. It's not only that she's made mistakes. I don't think she's actually done anything right at all, to be fair. Well, she's got the deal. Well, yeah. It's taken two years, a bit bit, bit later than we'd have liked. But she's got the deal, and it's on the table, and it's ready. It's packaged. It's ready there to allow us to exit the EU in a smart way. But you've asked a question about a general election. I don't think it's in your listeners' uh, uh, best interest to have a general election. What if the general election returns another hung parliament? Mm. Where are we then? Yeah. We're going to be keep going round and round in circles. Let's just get this deal over the, the line, and then we can just move on. Yes, but of course the difficulty is we are now so divided as a nation, mm. um, and the politics of, of the future will forever be defined, it seems to me, by this row that has been going on now for years and years and years and years. And I'm not sure how you end that, to be honest. I mean, I'm hoping that you're going to have some ideas as to how you end it. But I wonder whether you're going to have to completely kind of reset the political party structure of this country and whether you're maybe even going to have to reset the way that elections are run, whether you're going to have to look at whether first-past-the-post is the best method, whether I'm, I'm not a fan of proportional representation, mm-hmm. but some people are, whether that would be more fair, whether you know we need to have pro-Europe parties, anti-Europe parties, you know what I mean? It's, it seems to me that, that we are in a situation now where the political party system is broken. I think your listeners ultimately want strong and stable government. To use that terrible phrase of we've the past... We've forgotten what that's like. We've forgotten, but actually, they, we, do, we all want strong and stable government. And if people vote for the left, they want a strong and stable left-wing government. If people vote for right-centre, like myself, we want a strong and stable government. And actually, Mike, the media have got a major role in our political society. No doubt, once we get this deal over the line, and I'm sure we will, once we get it over the line... Your discussion, my discussion will quickly start about other things. It will be about the NHS, it will be about the transport system, it will be about um, climate change, it will be about education. And you will be inviting me onto the show and we'll be talking about something completely different. I will because I'm a very fair-minded and sensible individual. However, there are others in our business who are not like that. Well, that's why and I come are, here. Well, quite. And there are <laughs> others in, in the political business who are never going to shut up about Europe. Yeah. And they will have their entire political landscape sort of poisoned and jaundiced by that in a way and I don't see the amount of kind of vitriol that yeah. has come particularly yeah. from the Remain side I have to yeah. say of the yeah. establishment yes. I don't see them ever stopping that no I think it will I think the the boil will be lanced once we get the divorce agreement through. Yeah. that's it at that point you know we've separated uh, the spouses can return back to their will own lives not, though, and get on not, with it. Will there not, though, be these individual little spats about each individual little deal that you then have to do with Europe over whatever it may be? Well, that will be done as a mature 
not only independent country, but a country that has a close... Remember, at the end of the day, the European countries are Western allies, mm. and it's in their interest, you know, quite apart from the customs market singles and all that, push that aside, but future, you know, where is the danger? The danger for your listeners is Russia, it's China. These countries are investing enormous amounts in cyber warfare and cyber crime, and Russia is investing enormous amounts in updating nuclear weapons. China, as we speak, Mike, is reclaiming land in the South China Sea. Although it's called the South China mm. Sea, it doesn't belong to them. It never has. Yeah. These are the countries that we re need to wake up and understand that the dangers in the 21st century are there. These are not democratic yes, countries. Yes, but of course there would be those who would counter your argument by saying, well, surely the best way to defend against those kinds of huge enemies, if you want to call them that, although I'm not sure that's in this world of trade in which we do, that's the right word, um, that surely then you would be better off countering that by being part of a larger organisation rather than being a single little well, we island are, nation. we are part of NATO. Yeah, I know, but, but I'm, I'm not arguing to be part of Europe, but yeah. I'm saying others would why not then be part of the european because, union not because uh, we, we, we because we've decided not to be part of the eu and that has to be respected but we're part of nato the eu is the eu countries many of them are part of nato and what we need to do as a as a sovereign country is to make sure that our future relations with france and italy romania and bulgaria are such that we protect western values that's the key to having a good quality peaceful free life and once we get over this spat and it is a divorce but once we get over the divorce i urge listeners just to get on with it and refocus on where the real threats are in the world and where the real opportunities are as well because i, I didn't use the word enemy with russia and china i said that they're threats there are also opportunities. We want to continue to trade with both countries, mm. but we've got to do fr fr so from a strong footing. And uh, I believe that once we get Brexit out of the way, you and I will be talking about the other things that concern the United Kingdom and our Western European allies. So you're saying to me that you think this vote will happen, you think that she will win it, are you saying that will happen this week? Are you saying it will happen next week? When are we leaving? So I'm a man that looks at a, a glass that's uh, rather than half empty, I see it's half full. I voted for the deal first time round, second time round. I'll be voting for it again. And I'm urging the Prime Minister to return that vote, preferably tomorrow. Right. And even if there are indicative votes tomorrow before the withdrawal agreement returns, I would be saying to the Prime Minister, let's remember these are not legally binding and it might again help focus the minds of some MPs to vote for the Prime Minister's deal. OK, very optimistic. Alberto Costa there, thank, thank you. you very much indeed. Uh, we're looking forward uh, rather than backward here, because that's what we like to do at the Independent indeed. Republic of Mike Graham. <laughs> uh, lots more to come, including your calls. What did you make of what was just said? Uh, 0344 499 1000. Just get on with it. That's what you want to happen, so just allow your MPs to vote for it. What do you reckon? This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier-sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Welcome back to 
the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live in Westminster. It is getting hotter and hotter by the minute here. I've had to take my jumper off. It's the first time I've sat here just in a shirt and a jacket. And trousers, of course, before any of you start making jokes. I'm not just sitting here uh, in a jacket and a tie and all that sort of thing. However, uh, there's lots of you who want to get on. Lots of you will get on. Uh, somebody has also just sent me, uh, very helpfully, a story from The Guardian about a lot of gagging orders which have apparently been issued to companies doing business with the government uh, post-no-deal uh, uh, Brexit. I think the problem here uh, is in the writing of the stories, you see. People pick up the way that stories are written. And a gagging order, according to The Guardian, uh, is something which a government a department has given to a company in which uh, they are involved in a business. Now, what I would call that is a confidentiality agreement, which is not the same as a gagging order. A gagging order sounds like, you can't talk about this, you must not give away any secrets about what deals you're doing for the government. Bottom line is, commercially speaking, there's all sorts of confidentiality agreements that go on. It doesn't necessarily mean that the government is trying to keep anything secret. If you do business with the government, generally speaking, they don't particularly want you going around telling everyone what it is that you do with them. That's not necessarily a gagging order. However, uh, my, uh, my thanks to Gareth for mentioning it uh, over in Manchester. Uh, he was uh, just on the phone a moment ago. We're going to go back to the phones. 0344 499 1000. Ross Kempsell's here with us as well. Uh, we'll get an update on the news from him. George, first of all, is in Devon. Hello, George. Hello, Mike. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, just a thing on the, on the general election side of things. I think, yeah. if we, I think the best course to go now, really, is to have a general election just to, uh-huh. to weed out the, the, the Remain MPs, really. So, yeah, I think it's the only way they're going to realise, you know, the anger that's going on in the country right now with this with sure. the Brexit vote. But, but, but like I've said before, George, how do you weed out a Remain MP who has a massive majority in any particular constituency if the party itself that he represents doesn't deselect him? Well, yeah, this is, this is, this is an issue. But, I mean, I, I can see the Remain MPs will probably stay. They'll probably get voted in again by a Remain mm. constituency. But there's, there's an awful lot of Leave constituencies that, you know, their, their MP has gone back on their word and back on the manifesto. Yes. Yeah, but you know as well as I do that it's very difficult to overturn a majority in any constituency unless we split the vote somehow. And, and that's going to be a very complex arrangement for an awful lot of parts of the country. It's quite expensive as well to campaign nationally. Uh, and depending on who you're campaigning for, you know. Well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid you're probably right because I mean, the beer, the beer will end was if we do get a new government or whatever. I mean, it's it's probably going to be the same. You're going to have it'll probably be split down the middle of remain and and leave again. And yeah, I, I can't I can't I can't honestly see a way forward of it. To be honest with you, even with what's, like, what's the you situation know, where you are? What's what's the situation oh, I mean, where you are, George? Did you guys vote I mean, remain or leave? I, I voted I voted leave. I mean, the thing is. I'm, I'm a builder. It doesn't really affect me at all. I mean, either way, it doesn't affect me. But I voted leave because, you know, it was, it was immigration, it was sovereignty, it was all that stuff. I don't like seeing the way what the way Europe's becoming. Like, you know, yeah. it's supposed to be a trading establishment and all that, but it's just, it's ridiculous. The talk of yeah, the Yeah, but we still army, will I mean, be. What, what about your MP and what about the, the, your, the, did, did your area vote to leave? Um, Devon, I mean... Some parts did, some parts didn't. I mean, Exeter has got a predominantly Remain. He's got Ben Bradshaw MP is our is right. our MP in the, in Exeter. He's a Labour. I think Mel Stride's my is my MP. Right. Um, but you know he's he's pretty much with Made Deal. I mean, I mean. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, how would you dislodge those two those those two people you've just named? How would you get them out? You probably wouldn't. To be fair, I mean, mm. you know that's that's the thing. I mean. I mean, honestly, with the with 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 May's deal as well, I think I mean I think the best thing that we could do, really, is 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 remain at the minute because that would just 
it would hopefully bring in another type of government. Mm. I, mean, yeah. I can't, I can't well, see us leaving. I cannot see us leaving now. This is the issue. I mean, I, even even if May's deal, you know, gets brought, I don't think her deal will get brought forward because I think now Burko probably senses the fact that a lot of the ERG are swinging. Maybe the DUP are swinging. I mean, he he knows if that's got a sniff of getting through, he's probably not going to allow the vote again. And that's my big worry. Yeah. Well, let's see. I mean, again, people literally have now given up trying to predict what will happen next. But interesting point, George. Thanks very much indeed. Ross Kempsell's here with us. Ross, I mean, the landscape out there in terms of a general election is not likely to change, is it, in terms of, you know, the Brexit party or the TIG party as another political force? I mean, if anything, the the vote becomes more sort of dissipated than, than concentrated, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you can argue that. And the to rewind a little bit, it's difficult to get to a general election at all at the moment. The mechanisms for a general election, if Theresa May calls one, she needs two thirds to do so. Difficult. Uh, if there is a vote of no confidence in the House of Commons, again, difficult because the Tories and the DUP have remained solid on confidence issues. So it's actually quite difficult to get a general election. I mean, it's not impossible, but most MPs do not want a general election. No. Absolutely not. They feel so uncertain with the degree of uh, uncertainty that there is at the moment. They will want to see how the politics of this plays out locally in their constituencies uh, in order to um, uh, have any chance uh, of campaigning properly before the next election. So the longer that they can put off a general election, they will try to do so. Right. Let's talk to Pat, who's in Stepney. Hi, Pat. Oh, good afternoon. Hello, Pat. Um, what would yeah, you like to say? I, I, I think one of the pe- few people that we've overlooked for a bit of criticism in all this is Nigel Farage. Right. Because the, a day or a couple of days after he won the result... He quit UKIP and went on a rival radio station. Now, had he stayed at UKIP, he would have hoovered up votes at the 2017 election mm. and he'd have really made the Labour and Conservatives, like, shudder. Because well, you see, no actually, they, no, he wouldn't. The problem is, Pat, because of the system that we have in this country, uh, peak sort of popularity when uh, UKIP got something like 4% of the vote, they didn't get anywhere like four percent of the seats, did they? Um, no. Because in the end, in the end, in a two-party system, first past the post, you don't get representation unless you win loads of constituencies. Now, UKIP came second in loads of constituencies, but coming second doesn't get you into Parliament. No, that's true. But the more this has gone on, the more he'd have got votes, and you know he, sh- he should not have quit UKIP because he left it. He left it to wither on the vine. Yeah. Either they'd have become stronger, because that's the only Brexit party, true Brexit party. Now, he's done a wrong one, because he won the battle, but he hasn't won the war. Mm. But the trouble with Nigel Farage is, I mean, he's a guy who likes to be where he's not wanted. He doesn't actually sit very comfortably with, with popularity. He prefers to be unpopular, and I think that's what he's all about. He loves the idea that he can get up in Brussels, make a speech, and then walk out while they're all swearing at him and saying good riddance. You know, I think that's what he likes. I don't think he wants to be the head of a populist party or a popular party, because it's not what he's good at. Yeah, well, well then he, he, can't, he can't complain when the Brexit goes belly up and he hasn't, and he didn't do enough to 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 um to turn it around. Yeah, I think you're right. He's also got an mo uh, for leaving before the end of the party. You know, he's never really seen anything through. No, and and, and it's I... been a lot. It's been a lot to wither and die on the vine. And he wants a new Brexit party. Well, he had one up and running. 
Well, exactly. And then he left it, and now that's kind of gone to the dogs. So in the end, you know, it doesn't really... He doesn't really have the reputation of a man uh, who can see something through to the end and make a success of it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I've got a beef against him. Yeah. No, I think you're quite right to have a beef against him, and I think you're also quite right to feel a bit let down if you wanted to be uh, looking for a party that would support Brexit, and he was the man to lead that party, and he took, he did not take the opportunity to do it. No. Yeah, and and now he can't he he can't start moaning when it when it, it, it if if it gets overturned and and chucked in the bin. Hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right, Pat. Thank you very much indeed. Pat in Stepney there, uh, speaking, I think, for an awful lot of people who feel very disappointed by Nigel Farage uh, and his inability to kind of uh, carry the torch, if you like, uh, for the Brexit uh, uh, vote and also for, for those who want to leave the European Union. Ross, I don't know what you make of that, but he has kind of got a reputation for not quite finishing the job, hasn't he? I think Farage's difficulty at the moment, personally, is that he has no political stake in the development of the negotiations or the uh, you know the machinery in parliament mm. if nigel farage were an mp and he's tried many times to, be, to become one yes failed, never been successful yeah, yeah if, if nigel farage were an mp in the house of commons he would probably have a hugely significant degree of influence about what's going on in the commons right now and has been for the past eight weeks and mm. also would have a caucus around him of supportive mps you know the the configuration of the house of commons on the tory rebel side would be very different if yeah. nigel farage was in the commons so actually I, I, I think that he cannot very well be involved in the process just because he doesn't have the role that is necessary at the moment. Yeah. He's too exterior to where things right. are actually happening. No, absolutely right. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Yeah, order on Talk Radio. Republic of Mike Graham, welcome back to the Tent of Shame. Welcome back to the sunny day that is where, where we are now down in Westminster on College Green. There's an awful lot going on behind me in the past of Westminster. A lot of chopping and changing, a lot of control being taken by MPs, uh, a lot of plots being uh, hatched, an awful lot of people scurrying about trying to find new friends, old friends, and maybe even some old enemies as well. We're going to talk now to Ronnie Campbell, uh, Labour MP for Blythe Valley, uh, voted against the Letwin uh, movement last night. Uh, there seemed to be a couple of different votes going on last night. People were a bit confused, I have to say, Ronnie. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the yep, Tent of Shame. Yep. And uh, thank goodness it's actually decent weather for a change. It's beautiful today. Yeah, very nice. Very nice indeed. Now, you voted against Letwin last night. Tell us why. Well, because it's uh, it's it's uh, the things he wants, or uh, people are saying these amendment want, is, uh, is a no Brexit. So. Yeah. Uh, and that is, I mean, this is I'm a Labour, and, and I'm voting for what I see on the order paper. Mm. And if it's, if it's the Remain, I'm voting against it. Is it not time for the Remainer MPs who, I mean, because I know there are some who voted Remain who are quite happy to work with the Brexit side of the, the, the fence and say, right, we are leaving, so we will take care of trying to do that in the best way we possibly can. But there are also some MPs in there, no question, and certainly in, in no doubt in the minds of our callers and our listeners, who are actively working against Brexit. Oh, yes. And they have why, been for a long time. Yeah, yeah. and why, why can't they come out and just admit that and be honest with us? Yeah, they should be. Yeah. Uh, and they've been doing that for a while. I mean, most of the amendments I've voted against were amendments that would keep in the European Union. Yeah. Now, I'm trying very hard to see at the 70.5 million people and the 60% that voted in my constituency to leave. I'm trying very hard to uh, look, look after their vote and say, I'm voting the way you 
instructed yes. me in the referendum and uh, not in my constituency. But it's very hard because you're getting pulled this way, you're getting pulled that way. Uh, and what sort of pressure are you getting from the Labour Party? Whips? I'm not getting that much. I, I don't think they bother working anymore, actually. They're just no... Have they just given up now? Yeah, that, that they're no, you know, where, where we stand. One or two was, not, not many was, of course. But uh, it, it looks like it's... Uh, it's 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 a battlefield at the minute. Well, it's a right old mess. Ross Kempsell, our political is here. Ross, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Um, I was saying earlier on that, you know, the MPs have taken control, according to the front page of the Times this morning. But taking control of what? There's nothing actually to take control of at this point, is there? Well, the question is not but taking control how and whether it is enforceable. Mm. So... The Commons has voted to take more control over determining the outcome of the process, but the government has said that it is determined, essentially admitted that it's determined to ignore whatever MPs come up with on Wednesday. The Prime Minister yesterday said at the dispatch box that she didn't uh, uh, feel that the government would necessarily be bound by the result of indicative votes. Matt Hancock has said that this morning on broadcast, the Health Secretary. So clearly the government view is whatever happens on Wednesday, we don't have to follow it anyway. So you might well then sit back and ask, what is the point of oh, having right. indicative votes? Well, it is to express the view of the House of Commons in one direction or another, the way the process works. Uh, the precise format wasn't set out in the motion that was voted on, but MPs will vote on a series of different Brexit plans, all the different options. They get a piece of paper, which they're listed on. They then uh, select on that piece of paper the options that they prefer. There's no way of ranking them in order of preference. This vote takes place in the division lobbies. It's not a secret ballot. And then those tallies are counted up on Wednesday evening. And even the proponents of this process admit that you may need to do this again on Monday to get to yeah. any kind of definitive answer. So that's the process. It's not a normal parliamentary no. voting process. And Ronnie, don't, yeah, don't but you it's think... got to, I mean, you forgot to mention that Parliament is a built-in remain. Yeah. It's built in. Majority is there for to, to vote for anything to stay in the European Union. Right. This parliament will vote for it. Yes. It'll and get that, a majority. And that is the problem, though, that people are seeing this kind of charade, for want of a better yeah. word, that P MPs are going through. It's like some kind of extra piece of film from the Oxford Debating Society. That's, and it's far more important than that. There's two MPs got up last week in the debate. Mm. And they got up, the two of them. And both wouldn't remain, and both got 71% leave and a 70% leave in their constituencies. Yeah. And yet they're arguing for to remain. Yeah, how does that work? Well, I don't know, but I'll I tell you what it would work for me. Yeah. If I was a leave voter in their constituency mm. and they knocked on my door for a vote in the next general election, I would be telling them. Well, exactly right. Um, some of the people that I've been talking to down here, some of the MPs uh, who are possibly more soft Brexit than anything, will say it's important for the parliamentarians and for the individual MPs to not only represent the people who voted to leave, but to also represent those who voted to remain. Is that how you see it? Well, of course, I have to have a say, but we had the, we had the referendum. That's what referendums mm. are about. And, uh, you know, you've got to come to the conclusion on referendum, which we have. Uh, I know there's a big, big argument for another one. But well, that's just the scrub of the first one. Yeah, but that's only the only people who want the second one are the ones who don't want to leave. That's right. You know, there's nobody that's who right. voted to leave right. who wants to have the a second referendum. The, the scrub of the first one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where do we go from here, Ronnie? Because it seems to me that you could, in all uh, manner of ways, be doing this that's, for I, the rest of time. I think there's only one way out of this general election. But how is that out of the way out, though? Well, that's back to the people again. And uh, they'll have this here on their member of parliament in which we have voted and... Well, let's say, for example, and, and the parties let's say, for example, and we don't have to name them, but the two guys that you just mentioned there, who had a seventy percent leave in their constituency, say that guy goes back to the people for the election. Now, who are they going to vote for? Because who 
in their right mind, if it's a, I don't know if he's a Tory or a Labour Party member, if he, if, if it's a safe Labour seat, then, you know, if he's standing for Labour, he's going to get re-elected, isn't he? Well, let's wait and see. <laughs> yeah, but it's more important than that, though. That's my point. You know, can we really risk the likelihood of messing up the entire nation once again with an election that we don't really need, that nobody really wants, where there is not really any choice? Well, the, the, if we're not going to have a general election, the only, the only alternative, because this place will never make a decision, mm. the only, only decision this place will make will be to remain in some form of, well, otherwise, yeah. the only other way is a, 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 a public, uh, another referendum, yeah. which, um, which is which is a front reap to the people who voted in the first place. Well, of course it is. I mean, and, this is and, a massive And, and I've just been on the bus with a Scottish MP who says, if you get another referendum here, then we want another one in Scotland for independence, well, exactly. which, which they have every right to, to argue that case. Well, they do. Absolutely yeah. right. And they also it also strengthens their argument to say, yeah. well, we all wanted to stay in the European Union, so we actually want to stay in it if you guys want to leave. That's right. The whole thing is an absolute... You guys have managed to mess up the entire country. Do you know that? <laughs> I mean, what have you got to say for yourself? Well, yeah, I, I must admit, I, 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 it was terrible. I, I, I was at the club. I, 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 went, I went out for a drink of Saturday night at the club. And that's just the two lads that come across the door and mention that I'm not happy up I'm here for a drink. I'm, I'm like that on the weekends. I banned it. It's not it's a banned subject in my house. We're not allowed to talk about it. But anyway, listen, Ronnie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, very kind of you to join us in, in the tent of shame. Ronnie Campbell, Labour MP for Blythe Valley. Uh, he says there's never, ever going to be a vote for anything other than remain inside the Houses of Parliament. So, I mean, does a general election solve the problem? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. The sun has come back out again, so we are now basking in it down here in the Tent of Shame on Westminster Green, College Green, of course. Uh, Absolutely full uh, of people talking, full of people with ideas, full of people trying to make something happen, full uh, of uh, wonder at what is going to happen in the next couple of days. All politicians that I speak to now refuse to look into the future and tell me what they think is going to happen. I'm joined now by Vince Cable, uh, leader of the Lib Dems. Vince, a very good uh, uh, afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us. Um, It is... uh, uh, as ever, I suppose, difficult to uh, to look forward and tell us what is happening. What we've been talking about a lot on the show this morning is the possibility of a general election, the possibility of what would happen if there was one. Are you somebody who thinks that that is more likely now than it was last week? Yeah, I think it's on the cards. Mm. I think it's been underpriced for quite some time. And certainly I've been making sure that our troops are organised just in case. Well, funnily enough, I was saying just before you came on, we've, we've been talking about the sort of the, the, the gap, I suppose, in... in uh, uh, in ideology now that we suffer from in polit- politics that now, where we've got a Labour Party which is kind of split on Brexit, we've got a Tory party split on Brexit, the Lib Dems really the only party that are not split on Brexit because you obviously famously support staying in the European Union. Would you expect people to gravitate towards the Lib Dems in an election if they were Remainers? Uh, I think quite a lot will. I mean, it's it's begun to happen. Um, and on an election situation, you know, people start to make their minds up. They've got all kind of ideas swirling in the background at the moment. So I think we would benefit from it. Um, 
of course, what happens under the British first-past-the-post system is whether that helps you to win yeah. the seats. Well, that's uh, the difficulty, isn't uh, it? Because, yeah. again, I mean, an all, I'm getting an awful lot of people who are quite annoyed, uh, ranging from a slightly irritated to quite angry about yeah. what's going on at the moment. And some of them feel betrayed by their MPs because they were in a Remain constituency that voted to leave or they were in a Leave constituency that voted to remain. And the parliamentarians are not representing what they think they should be representing. But there isn't really any way to beat the two-party system, is there? I mean, that's the trouble. Well, we've got to reform it, but, you know, there's no immediate prospect of that, so we've got to operate as best we can within it. Mm. Um, actually, one of the things that could happen, depending on what Parliament does in the next few days, we could finish up with a long extension to the Brexit process and the next election we have is the European election, which, of course... <laughs> Not too many people are prepared for, but that, that no. could well. Well, Theresa May said that she didn't that, want that was, to see us fighting yeah. a parliament, a, 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 a European Parliament election. In fact, I'm told that many of the seats which were allocated to the UK have been given away already to other to other countries. So, I mean, where, where do we go with that? Well, that's it, well. Th that apparently, there is a deadline, the two or three weeks ahead, where right. that becomes irrevocable. Mm. But if we de if Parliament decides in the next few days, you know, we're, we're going to go for a process that involves a long extension. It could be a soft Brexit of people's vote, whatever. Uh, then we would notify the European Union. It's possible that we could find ourselves back in the frame for a European election. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking to a lot of MPs in the last couple of days, um, some of whom are suggesting to me that there will be an opportunity for Theresa May to, to present once again her withdrawal bill for the third time, despite what John Burko had to say last week, uh, and that some believe, um, because there are there are those on uh, in the ERG who are sort of saying that they might be coming around to the idea because... Uh, you know, her deal may be better than absolutely nothing at all or an extension and all of that. I mean, what do you see happening in the next couple of days? I know it's difficult to, to yeah. look into a crystal ball. Well, point. my understanding, and I'm, I'm talking obviously to a lot of people in Parliament yeah. who, who agree with me or disagree with me, I, th I think what's going to happen tomorrow is there will be a kind of straw poll that will give an indication of what people would yes. accept, yeah. not necessarily what they'd These like. These are the different indicative votes. Yeah, that's right. And then next Monday... It begins to come together, and there is then a, you know, some vote on a preferential basis or some some voting system that where Parliament says w we will settle for X, yeah, and then that becomes the parliamentary option, and it could well be subject to a people's vote that we have to vote separately on that. Um, then you know the government might well itself feel under circumstances that either they want to pull out of their original meaningful vote or they want to go ahead with it when they see what Parliament's done. Yeah, I mean, the trouble is, of course, people watching all of this as it goes on feel, one, a little bit betrayed because it hasn't happened yet. They feel a little bit frustrated because of the procedural nature of what it is that you're all doing in the Palace of Westminster and that it seems as though there's an awful lot of kind of bluster going on without any great effect and I know whenever I've said that to, to MPs um, who are not perhaps as thick-skinned as you are uh, they'll say well that's our job you know our job is to make sure that what we produce out of this house is the right thing for the country and I have some sympathy with that but there is an awful lot of stuff that's happened in Parliament that that seemingly was a waste of time. No, there is a lot of silly nonsense goes on, and I, you know, I put my hands up. I'm part of an assembly that doesn't work very efficiently. Um, I mean, the whole design of Parliament is to split us into yes and no. Mm. The, the idea of you know, finding some common ground it works against the way Parliament operates. There's a lot of um, silly exhibitionism. 
the voting system is unbelievably archaic. We stand in a queue for 10 to 12 yeah. minutes to cast a vote. It happens three or four times a day. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense, and I would hope that what comes out of this is not just that we modernise our constitution as a country, which is shambolic, but the Parliament also mm. reforms in a sensible way. Because the argument, perhaps, that this is an insoluble problem, which we sometimes hear from, from people who don't want to leave, they say, well, it's obviously so difficult to make this work that we should just give up and not do it. It's possible, isn't it, that, that what those, those archaic kind of systems that you've talked about are the reason it's impossible to make it work? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, the, the reason why we've got into this mess, uh, and it, it isn't exclusively Theresa May's fault. I mean, it's David Cameron's fault, isn't it? Originally, yes. <laughs> but between the two of them, they've created them. I mean, the, the problem was she set out with negotiations based exclusively on her own party's internal um, dynamics, right. really. Uh, and, she's, and she's still kind of carrying on doing that. And she's not involved us, she's not involved the Labour Party or the Nationalists. And to get a sensible outcome, that should have happened. Now, we're, now what's happening now is we're trying to make up for two years of wasted time in a few weeks of frantic activity, and that's not the best way no. to, to conduct things. Well, as I've said in the last, uh, not just 48 hours, probably the last 48 days, I mean, there hasn't, it's been hard to find something that she's done right, really, in the sense that, you know, everything that she's presented has been presented badly. Every ultimatum has turned out not to really be much of a threat. Mm. Every promise has been broken, you know, and people are so fed up now that basically they don't know what's going to happen next, and they don't really have a lot of trust left. Well, that's why, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like a, a gramophone record here, but... It's hard that, not that, to, to be honest. Well, it is, but <laughs> that's why I, I and my people think that you've just got to back, go back to the public, actually, and say, look, we, yeah, we, the, we, we the government, we the, the parliament have not handled this properly. Is this what you wanted, or would you rather stay? I think that going back to them, it will irritate a lot of people. But I think actually, it's the only way. But to I resolve don't know it. if it will resolve anything either, because mm. in the end, we are where we are because yeah. we had a referendum, which turned out to be completely and utterly hopeless. But I understand you've got to go. Um, so, uh, Vince Cable, thank you very much indeed for joining oh, us. Good to speak to you. And thank you. We'll see you again, I'm sure. Vince Cable there uh, telling us that uh, he thinks, in the end, basically, that uh, we should have a second referendum. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.